1 Corinthians, the third chapter, and the ninth verse. Notice this. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers. You see that in 1 Corinthians 3, 9? We are God's fellow workers. Some translations say we work together with God. So, so somebody said, uh, okay, cool, that's good. Notice it goes on to say, you are God's field. One, you know, you can find where it says like you're his garden or his tillage. So we work together with God. And then he said, you are God's field or God's garden. And then it goes on to say, you are God's building. Now, who's he talking to? Individuals or the group of people there? He's talking to them individually and as a group. And so really, you could break this down and notice when he said, we are workers together with God. Now, we want to do God's plan, right? But notice, if you look at this, then you've got to realize this. God is working on something. Would you agree? If it said we're working or supposed to be working together with him, then, then there is something he's working on. Right? Can you work on everything? No, but... You know, in other words, you guys usually have a career. You're, you're focused on certain things. And here he said, we're workers together with God, showing that God is working on something. What is God working on? So if God's working on something, then that would be important for God. Would you agree? We know when Jesus was here, he was working with Jesus to get redemption for all mankind. Jesus had to live perfect. He had to live a life as an example. And then he died on the cross. He was whipped and he was suffered. And then he rose from the dead. And we know God worked with him for that for us. Now, he's working still, but he's working together with us. But it shows that he is not just working with us on whatever we're doing. You understand what I'm saying? And so he said, we're God's field. So that means things get planted. He's in the business of planting things in people, right? If, you, if we as a church are the field, then you could say you're part of the dirt. Not trying to call you names like, you know, what a dirt bag. No, I'm just saying you're his soil. And we as a whole are his soil. So individually and corporately, he's trying to put stuff into people. But then it said, we are his building. So if he was working, you could say he's a farmer, like a farmer. And do you know the Bible says that in, in John 15.1? You with me? And then here he said, we're God's building. So you individually and corporately are God's building. So God will not only plant things in you and in us, he will build you 
and want to build us as a whole. Because that's what he said. And so he wants us built up, not tore down. Some things need to be tore down, but the things he's building, he doesn't want tore down. He wants them built up. So he wants you built up, and he wants us built up. He doesn't just want one of you built. He wants all of us built. And as all of us are built, then guess what? We're growing up in God. We're becoming what we're supposed to be. But understand this. Notice what he said. We're working together with God. So God is working on us individually, but people need to connect with him in this big plan too. Notice 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. So we're his field and God is working. We need to understand what he's saying here and what he's not saying. Notice this in the first verse of 2 Corinthians 6. It says, we then, that's me and you, as workers together with him. So he's working, but we're to be working together with him. Notice that. We then as workers together with him. Notice what it does not say. God is working for you alone, and it doesn't say you are working for God alone. And that's important because many people say things like this, I'm going to go do a work for God. I'm going to go do this for God. Let's go do this for God. That almost sounds like I'm going to go do it on my own. Or people say, God, you go do this. But he wants to do things with people. Doesn't that make a difference? Because could you know if he was working with you? You know, we expect, I do at least, and I know you guys do, when we start singing songs, you know, and worshiping the Lord, that he's going to work together with us when we sing. He's going to work together with the musicians and the singers. And so as we are singing, we expect him not only to do the work, because how would that look? Come to praise and worship at our church. It'd be spectacular. We'd all just sit there and there, you know, we've got guitars and all kinds of instruments up here, you know, keyboard, drums and bass and, you know, all this violin, keyboard and microphones. And we just sat here and we said, Lord, do the work, do the work, do the work. And we just sat here for like 30 or 40 minutes and some strangers would come in. And they sit down, and they'd be like, all right, what's going on? Now, if God did do that, it wouldn't be the normal. It would be maybe not altogether the normal. It wouldn't be the way he'd do it, because why? We'd be depending only on him. And so when people say stuff like this, you're like, you did such a good job today. You're like, it was all God. No, it wasn't. I heard you. 
that was a great message, Pastor. It was all God. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that good. I mean, it might have been good, but it wasn't all God. Because if it was all God, you'd be dead, right? Because, you know, the Bible said if you saw him in his face, there's nobody's going to live. You're going to be with him. So it might have been a lot of God working, but there was still me working. You with me? So if I didn't know Bible verses and I didn't study or seek God to find out, um, there's a God element in it, but it's not all God. And it's not all me. Or I should say it shouldn't all be me. That's another thought. Because we're laborers together with. And there should be a difference when we're laboring together with him. You with me? And he was the one who said... We work together. So do you think that God would work on something he doesn't want built? Let me say it like this. You think he wants the kingdom of the devil built up? No way. Not when he sent Jesus to destroy the works of the devil and set people free. You know he's not working on that. Somebody said, well, that's obvious. Well, it does show that he doesn't work on everything, right? Does he work on things that he doesn't want to come to pass? The Bible said we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and he speaks, you know, in Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 13, talks about him speaking, dealing, but he speaks so that things that, you know, or actually Hebrews, he, he said that the things that are man-made that are shaken would be removed when he speaks. In other words, he didn't just want man-made things. He wants man and God-made things because those things are eternal. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, when Peter said, hey, we're in this, having this vision, we're seeing Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, they're up on a mountain and a, a vision appears. And he was nervous. And the glory of God, the power of God was there. And he said, it said for fear, he didn't know what he was going to say. And he said, Let, let's build a temple, one for Moses, because that was who appeared, and one for Elijah, because he appeared, and one for Jesus. Well, that was not what God wanted to build. You with me? So God said, hey, listen to Jesus, not to these guys. Listen to him. And they never ended up building those, those temples. Because that wasn't God's plan. God wasn't into building that, but he is into building something. And when he's into building something, you can know when you're working together with him, there will be something that will occur. Isn't it the truth? If, if you have somebody and you're trying to pull something out of the ground or pull something, you tie a rope on it and you pull and it's a little stuck, but you get somebody else and they pull. Have you ever been with people when they're not pulling? You go, are you pulling? Like, you know, like you're on a tandem bike. You know, and you're riding in the front, and you're like, man, it's hard. And you're like, are you pedaling? They're like, no, I'm resting. You're not working together. We know when we work together, don't we? There's an assistant, assistant and assistance when we work together. You know, haven't you ever been on a job or maybe know of people that have worked at a company, and they said, hey, how come this group isn't meeting their quota? And others are having to pick up the slack because there's, Lazy Bones Jones and there. 
You know what I'm talking about? And so you got to work harder and you may get more tired. But why is that? Because somebody who should be assisting you is not assisting you. But if you're doing it in the right thing, we can know that God will help us. And God, and so him saying he will labor with us shows he has specific things because God is super organized. You know that? He's super organized. When he created the earth and the worlds and everything, he did such stuff in such a way that any disorder could make tidal waves all over the place, move the moon out a little bit, move us a little closer to the sun, and we're all, everybody's going to be living in Arizona. You know what I mean by that? I mean, it's just a few inches. Move us a few inches away and everybody's living in Alaska. And Alaska is now whatever. You with me? And so he made everything just totally organized and made things a certain way, seasons and times and all kinds of stuff. Any little difference, we, we don't exist. And he made everything for us. It shows that he's super organized. When he created the heavens and the earth, he made everything. And each thing that was created could only exist based on what was created before it. You with me? He didn't say, you know, plants be and go, oh, we need dirt. No, he went in order, and after he had done everything, then he made man last because he's super organized, and man could then function in it. God is still organized. You know, when people say, you're just trying to control the Lord, you're just trying to stop the Lord from doing stuff, God is very organized. You with me? And he can move in that atmosphere very easily. That doesn't mean, you know, he, he doesn't just do certain things too, but he always moves in line with his word. And when he said we're laborers together with him, that means he's doing something. And if we can find out what he's doing, we can just work in that and we'll know we're doing his plan, right? What did Jesus say when he was on the earth? He said, I will build my church. I will build my church. I will build my church. And we know the church is individuals, but the church is a group, and the church is people who need to come in and be saved. He said, I'm working on that. You want to work with God? Work with that. Because you can know that he's with that. And so turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12. We want to work together with God because God is working. And uh, if he's working, we want to join forces with what he's working on. And we'll be blessed in that. You with me? We'll find that there is strength to do it. You know, I've seen people just get tore up and beat up in life and they said, well, I was just too busy to go to church and too busy to serve God like that. I, I still read my Bible. Or, or one thing that suffers is they stop reading their Bible and they say, you know, I still pray. And you ask them how they're doing, they're like, not good. It's because they're not joining the fo forces with God like they should. You with me? But anywhere we join forces with God, with beliefs or anything and actions, it brings out something in us. And it makes God be able to work with us and connect with us in ways we maybe would never have known before. So Romans, the 12th chapter, 
And uh, we'll begin reading in verse 4. And once I get there, Romans 12, verse 4. It says, for, for as we have many members in one body, many members in one body. Now, the church as a whole has many members, but we have many members. We're part of the church. We are a church. But he said, for we... At, for as we have many members, notice this, in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Now, notice these things right here that he says. It's pretty interesting if you really look. He uses the term many, 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 many. And then he uses the terms body, many parts in a body. Well, your body has many parts. You with me? And, uh, you know, there was an old commercial years ago where they would, you know, make fun of another fast food place and they were, you know, making fun of, chicken things, and they're like, well, what are they made of? And they have parts are parts. Well, that might be funny in a commercial, but parts are not just parts. Not if I'm eating them anyway. But when it comes to the church, parts aren't just parts. He said many, 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 and he talked about individual. Many, you could say it this, this way, many individual parts. And then he said this in verse 4. Let's go back and look at this. For as we have many members in one body. One body, many members. And all the members do not have the same function. Notice the word function. So members are to function. Members of a body or the church are to function. What does that mean? You know, when they talk about they're dysfunctional. That means they're not doing something right. And he starts off here and he says, many, many. So he's saying there's a lot, but then he associates something with the individual many's. And what does he associate with them? Function. Functionality. So when he said many and then says function, then the many are to function. You know, I've been in people's cars over the years, and, you know, they like their car, and you get in their car, and you, you look, and there's like a light on, and, you know, on the dash, and you're like, you maybe want to take care of that. No, it's good. And then you're like, hey, could you turn that on? They're like, Oh, uh, it don't work. You know, I mean, what about the light? Oh, it just isn't working right. You know, and there are certain things that just aren't working. What would we say? Those are not functioning properly. They have a function, but they're not functioning. And he said, we, being many, are to function. And you think in the line of the verses we just read, we're to function 
in line with what God's doing and the way we're created. You with me? We are to function with him. And I don't think it's as hard as people may seem to think. You with me? But I know this, people who function with him in some simple areas, uh, it enriches them greatly. Because he'll work with them. You with me? And um, we'll keep reading because I was going to say something, I'm going to hold back. But there are things, you know, in the things God commands us to do, uh, there's a blessing in obedience. You with me? There is. And so when he said we don't have the same function, many not the same function, then that means that not everybody's going to be doing the same thing. I mean, could you imagine, you know, if you got a new car and they said, you know, we were tired of all these other buttons, you know, the one that shows the oil when it goes off and this one with the seatbelt. And we just switched them out for all check engine lights. You know, there was a right blinker, a left blinker. There was an emergency flashers. We just thought, let's just have them all function the same. We just got all right blinker things now. And we're tired of having fan, you know, little ports that blow, you know, the air out over on the left side of the steering wheel, the right side, and then for the passenger in the back seat. We're just going to line them up all on the left. It makes it easier. You don't have to get different parts. You know, and then one thing goes wrong and all the check engine lights go on. You turn on the air and your hair is all blown to one side and nobody else in the car gets air. But how many people are wanting to do what other people are supposed to be doing and they need to know we have individual functions. And if we individually function in them, then individually you are working together with God. Well, I sure like what they do. Well, I want to go over here and do what they do. No. How many options are there in your car to move things around? Not a lot, right? You know, I wish I could sit in the driver's seat. Okay, we'll put steering wheels everywhere. It's a waste because there's only functionality for one unless it's driver's training. Then you get two, not three or four. You with me? And sometimes you don't even get two. You just get an extra brake over there sometimes. Or the person just grabs the emergency brake or yells at you. But notice he said, we do not have the same function. Well, that then would lead me to think if I don't have the same function, then I can't be the same as somebody else. Right? Even in football. You know, you can get a kicker, and uh, he functions in certain areas at certain times that others do not. And you can't say he's not important, and you say, well, he's so weak, he's skinny, he's this. And you're comparing him, but he doesn't have the same function. How many kickers win football games all the time for a team? And a bad kicker loses it. But, but he's not as fast as a running back. He's not as glamorous as the quarterback. He's not as 
big and overpowering as a lineman. Matter of fact, he may be pretty much wimpy when it just comes down to it. Or he may be real tough, but looks like, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk without the Jack. He looks more like a Beanstalk, you know, and he's just sitting there. But he can win a game. He can make the difference. But he's not built the same. He has a different function. So that being said, if we function different, then there may be different attributes or parts in each person. Would you agree? I mean, I'm surely not going to take, you know, certain parts of the car and go, well, any part is okay. You know, I need a new air, air filter. I'm like, well, take the floor mat. No, the floor mat needs to function as the floor mat. And the air cleaner needs to work as an air cleaner. Would you agree? So that being said, notice verse 5. So we, being many, are one body. And individually, members one of another, or you could say it this way, we're all connected, and, and Ephesians says it this way, each part supplies, has a supply for the whole, right? I mean, your forearm, if you just happen to cut the thing off, the supply down below doesn't get into the top, and the top doesn't get into the bottom. So you could say individual parts help the flow, help what happens. And so he says here in verse 6, having then gifts differing. Well, no wonder we are supposed to function different because we have gifts that are different. I mean, if you really want me to function as a singer, I guarantee you I have a different gift. And I, I know a guy, this is the honest truth, <laughs> I led him to the Lord, and so he, was, he lived several miles away, and so I said, well, you know, you know, I'll go to this meeting, you know, because he was looking for a church because he lived a ways away. We went to this meeting, and, uh, and uh, he told me, he said, you know, I want to be a singer. I believe I'm going to be a singer. And I remember thinking, um, probably aren't going to be a singer at my church. Because he'd sing. You ever heard somebody sing? And you can tell their gifts sometimes. Or you can tell their gift is really raw, undeveloped. You with me? And this guy was either super undeveloped or he really maybe didn't have a gift. But I remember he had real long hair. I don't know if he kind of watched rock concerts so much he went, yeah, I'm going to be a lead singer someday. And so he had the long hair, but he just didn't have the voice. You know what I'm talking about? Remember American Idol when it first came out years back and they had William Hung and he sang that, talk to me, and it was just ridiculous. It was funny at first, people were amused at first, but reality sets in, he ain't playing that on the radio and you're not like, let's go listen to that again, only if you want a good laugh. But like, you know, let's just have him up here, sing. Okay, it'd be funny the first week, but four or five weeks in, I'm thinking, Maybe we'll change up a little bit. Got some backup singers or something? 
because he may be trying to function, but, but it says, though we have a function, he said individually, do you have a gift? And it says here this, he said, having then gifts differing according to the grace or the gifting that is given to us. So our functioning should be based eventually, maybe not initially, but eventually based on, and I guess I could say initially based on, certain gifts that are individually given. You with me? And so people have them whether they know it or not. I mean, isn't it true you can go to a parts store? And I remember in California, there was this one parts store. It was different because it was open 24 hours a day. And, you know, when guys are, like, working on their car and they need this part, you, you know, I can drive 35 minutes or 40 minutes to this 24-hour thing, and it's like a window, and they just kind of slide the stuff out, and they tell you, but this thing is just full of parts. I mean, if you need this light bulb, you can go there at night. You need this gasket, you need this part. You need a carburetor, you can go there. Now, it's got parts. It's got lots of parts that are made to function, but they're not functioning. Lots of parts made to function, but they're not functioning. Why? Because they're not in the place they need to be to function, right? So he tells us we're a body, so then that means these body parts that are to function, that were created a certain way, need to be connected with the body. Many because so many people say, well, I, I don't matter. No, you do too. And you have a function. I mean, how lame is it to have a brake light? I mean, it's, so, it's such a cheap part. Right? And two brake lights. I mean, how much is a bulb? A couple of bucks? I mean, I spent $30,000 on this car. Those are only $2 parts. What's the value? Well, your ticket may cost more than that, or somebody rear-ending you may cost more than that because you didn't recognize the value in that part that seemingly is not real expensive. But understand this. Remember the old story about the Midas touch? Remember that? Yeah. Somebody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Anybody remember Humpty Dumpty? Okay. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't... I, anyway, we're not going there. But anyway, the Midas touch was anything he touched turned to gold. That's a great touch, sort of, because you can't touch anything because it turns to gold. You know, that burger turns to gold. Everything turns to gold. But when God touched you, when you got saved, there was giftings put in you. And there are things that are in every believer. And so they're to function in their place. They don't function outside their place. So they've got to be connected here. There has to be a connection to a local body because we're a body. And so he said then having gifts differing, so they're different gifts that are made to function. You with me? And they're to be functioning in a body. 
And God will work with them. I mean, think about it. God wants to work with you so much that he puts something in you. Now, I'm going to talk about three areas real quick before we leave that you can start putting into practice right now in your life in some way or another that will help you to go further in your functioning with God. Because sometimes people say, well, where am I supposed to function? How am I supposed to do this? Somebody said, you know, um, I'm just so jacked up in myself, I can't do anything. I get it myself fixed first. One thing that we need to recognize is many times we, we are inward focused so much that that is part of our problem. All our prayers are about me. All my activities are about me. And I'm just caving in. You know what I mean? It just stuff's caving in. You need to become more outward focused than inward focused. People who want to get out of trouble, people who get more into trouble usually isolate themselves in so many ways. Lock themselves in their house. Those people need to get out and not be self. Why? Because there's something inside you that needs to be put into motion. You with me? And so, even Job, his life was caving in when he became not selfish and self-focused because he was like, what's going on? God's doing this and it wasn't God. He was mistaken. It was actually the enemy. But Job's life ultimately turned when he became not self-centered but became outward-focused and started praying for his friends. And people who want change in their life definitely need to become more outward-focused than inward-focused. You with me? And so we should expect that God will work with us in these areas for sure that I'm talking about. So the first area that every believer can start working on right away, and this may sound so simplistic, but it can be lost sometimes in the work. It's your personal relationship with the Lord. The very first thing that every believer was called to, the Bible said that we've all, every believer, when you give your life to the Lord, has been called unto the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible said. You have been called into a personal relationship. So part of God working with you, he'll work with you if you'll do what you need to do with your personal relationship. Cultivate a personal relationship with God. How? Pray. But don't just be self-praying. Pray for the church. Paul said it this way, one of the writers in the New Testament, he said, pray for me that words would be given to me so I might speak the word of God boldly as I ought to. And then he talked about how when he would come that things would be imparted. So you can pray for me. It would directly affect you. But it will directly affect others in here too or others that are brought. You with me? Or others that come. So pray for me. What about other people? Pray for them too. Don't just pray about you become outward. If you're only inward, it's all about me, 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 I, I, I. Sometimes problems are only compounded by focusing on yourself. You with me? They are. And when you sit at home by yourself, you focus on me and my problem. Get up and get busy. Work on your relationship with the Lord. Spend time. Cultivate this. Spend time reading. 
your Bible. I mean, 10, 15 minutes or something, more or less. But remember this, this is part of God working with you. He will illuminate you and teach you things out of the Word of God. The Word of God will become a different book if you'll get into it. You with me? That's the first area concerning working together with God. And, and it's all connected to all the rest. You with me? Hey, you're going to work. Lord, help me to do the best, to learn, to move ahead, to get ahead, to be the head and not the tail, to move up my relationships, everything. Help me. Give me opportunities to reach people. There's people out there that are hungry. But if it's all about me, then I don't think about others. So cultivate your relationship with God and remember this, don't just make it about you. In other words, when you read the Bible, understand you're collecting bread for yourself. But don't be afraid because this is called our daily bread. Don't be afraid to give some of this bread away. Because this is bread that people... Uh, have no clue about many times and it can be the flavor of the thing they're looking for in life you understand we collect it for ourselves but how many times did jesus more than once take somebody else's loaves of bread and fish and multiply them to other people you'll be surprised what will happen with you with others if you will focus on your relationship with god and cultivate it that's the first thing. And it will affect how you serve in the church and everything. Number two is reach the world. Be outward thinking. Invite hungry people to church. Invite lost people to church. Know there are opportunities of people out there that are desperate or hungry or looking. And the Bible said in the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians 5, now we read 6.1, go read the, two, the three verses before it said, God will work with you and through you and plead through you if you will purpose to tell the world and tell people he will work with you. He will work with you. But once again, you can't be self-centered. You have to be outward focused. Because otherwise, all those people are just sheer nuisance. They are. They're a nuisance everywhere. They slow me down from getting to where I need to go. They sat through the light. They should have gone. I know it was kind of turning red, but come on. I'm in a hurry. We're not thinking about their salvation. We're not thinking about what's needful for them. We're thinking about me. We should start thinking more outward than inward, even in our conversations. Don't just think, well, oh, you did that? Well, let me tell you what I did. Start thinking more about the other person. Get that mindset in you, and it will help you in every area because there's hurting people out there. You with me? So start thinking outward. So we can all work on that because God said he would work through us in reaching people. And there are people who are looking for a place to be fed. And I'll tell you what, who knows what they would add to the whole. Not that we're trying to be selfish, but what miracles would happen in their life too if they were brought. So that's the second thing we can do. And God said he would work with us. The third thing we can do is this. Because here, let me make this statement. One thing about the things, you know, we're a strong Bible teaching church, I think. 
or we have truth that's being fed. One thing that we have to be careful about is we don't think we're better than somebody and we don't become only a reservoir. You with me? You know, if you're only a reservoir with no outlet, it can be bad. There's a, a lake in California, um, you know, in Southern California, that every year the fish die there. Every year it starts stinking rotten, called Lake Elsinore. Anybody know where that is? Down the 15 freeway between San Diego and San Bernardino or L.A.? This lake really has no outlet. And so what happens is it gets a lot of moss, it gets a lot of stuff, the water comes in, but it doesn't flow out. And there can be a lot of times there's a lot of dead fish there, and it may be going, I want to gather, I want to gather, I want to gather, but what makes a healthy lake is not only an inflow, but an outflow. You with me? A good outflow is helpful. And God will plead through us and work through us. He'll work through you when you pray. And you'll notice it. You'll go, whoa, that was pretty good. Ooh. And he'll work with you when you talk to people. Because he wants to comfort people. He wants to help people. But you've got to think more than a reservoir. More than just getting, what can I give? But I can't give what I don't, give what I don't have. So the third area is this. Serve in the local body. We've been looking at this. Support the local church. How? In praying for it. In serving. In reaching things we've already talked about. In giving. Here's another area. In encouraging people. Because if we're members one of another, then we want all the parts functioning. You know, I might have a real fast car, but if my brakes aren't functioning... Oh, it's fun when you're going, but forget about stopping. You, you know what I'm talking about? So we want to encourage people, right? I want to encourage my brakes to work. I want to encourage my gas pedal to work. You understand? Encouragement can be a lot like maybe going to a mechanic. You with me? It gets, helps people to stay at it. And so these are areas we can do and know he'll work with us. One, work on our personal relationship. Two, be outward focused. And even in all three of these, we need to be outward focused. And really, the thing that makes the kingdom of God work is love, and love is not inward focused. God is love. He's not inward focused. I wonder, this is an interesting thing, just a different thought. I, and I don't know if I've ever thought of this, but, but how many of you have ever asked God how he's doing today? What's your agenda today, God? How are you doing? What, what's pleasing to you? What, why are you not pleased today? Is there something that, that you're wishing would get done? Has anybody ever asked God that question? It's an interesting question. But do you know it's a real one? Because there were times he was not pleased with what was happening in the world not pleased with what was going on. And it saddened him that he had done certain things and allowed certain things a certain way. So God, though he is love, is maybe wanting things done. But if we're so self-centered, we're thinking about me. 
thinking about what, what about me? What am I going to get out of this? Well, if I'm out of the service, what am I going to get if I'm working in there with the kids? But I wonder if people have ever asked God, what, what do you want, God? What, what would you like? Are you, you pleased with everything? You think he's pleased with everything that's happening in the earth? You think he's pleased that certain people are overlooked in life and that, that people just walk past other people? You don't, you, you don't think that would sadden him? You don't think he'd be bummed? Just walking past people all the time. We, we get to walk past people all the time. And God's like, oh, they're hungry. They've been praying. But we're just so into us. We're not thinking about them. And you don't think God's like, oh, bummer. I really, oh, I, I, I would have loved to have met. They needed something. They didn't have to commit suicide. They didn't have to kill themselves. But I wonder if our prayers... And all these different areas are just too self-centered. Maybe there needs to be a shift of love to where we're thinking more out. And, and not only thinking outside with building our own relationship with God, reaching people and, and serving and doing stuff to build the local church. Maybe we should be outward in the sense where we're contacting God about things. What, what would you like? How are you doing today? I'm glad you asked. I mean, I don't think God's always pleased when people are dying and going to hell, but he knows some people are going to choose. But I think, I think if it, the Bible tells us we can be pleasing to him, that shows that he can be pleased or displeased. I don't believe he's pleased that some people are missing opportunities. I don't think he's just mad at people. I think it's not pleasing to him. When he did so much to make life good for people, they just go, well, he doesn't want me to have that. He doesn't want that. We should maybe check in on him and say, what, what, are, what, what are you doing today? Now, he's not going to go, well, you know, I'm so depressed, man. I was, you know, uh, leave me alone. It's not going to be like that. He's full of power. But I'm saying, why not ask him, hey, what's up? You know what I mean? Because his heart can be grieved toward things. And so we might be a solution to it. Man, I sure don't want people to go to hell. Well, I don't either, Lord. Give me an opportunity. You with me? You think he's just, you know, I believe he's not always just like, Woo. I mean, I believe he's got joy and peace and everything. I don't believe he's an emotional roller coaster. I mean, because somebody's like, well, I'm a lot more like God than I thought. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that I think there are things that please him and don't please him. And we can talk to him about it. And you, you, here's the thing. Who's going to solve God's problems on the earth? Well, I thought God would. No, man will. We work together with him and it gives him an opportunity to do a work. 